So now to the scripture reading. The book of Isaiah, to me, when I read it, sometimes feels like uh, reading, watching a movie, like Lord of the Rings. There's so, so much imagery that it feels like that uh, to me because Isaiah is talking about things that's going to come forward uh, within the context of the current situation, which was not all pleasant for Israel. And this uh, verses that we'll read today starts with, when I, when I saw it, Alan gave it to me, and it starts with but. And I said to myself, well, but, where's, you know, it's, it's like floating, we just can't read that. So I went back to see if I could find a line that would lead to this, that would connect this but. And I think, Alan, pardon me, I'm, I'm not a theologian by any means, but I think I found a line. So I'm going to read that first. And then we'll do a responsive reading. We'll all read this together. I'll start. I'll read that line from chapter 8, verse 17. And then we'll do responsively reading for our scripture reading today. I think that's going to be cool. So this is the line that I found in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17. We're going to read 9, 1 to 7. But this is 8, 17. And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. So Isaiah in that, in that verse, in chapter 8, is talking about God hiding his face. There was gloom and doom because God was hiding. So now we go to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. I'm going to read responsively. I'll read the first verse, and then you guys will take the second verse. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the, for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onwards and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. So we're looking at the names of the child, the names of the son who will be born for us. Last week we looked at the 
first name, Wonderful Counselor, and today we look at Mighty God. It's interesting, in the Jewish understanding, when they, I've mentioned this before, but when they use a name, the name is not just an appellation, right? It's not just, you know, hey you, or Alan, you want to get my attention, so use my name. In, in the Jewish tradition, a name had represented the person, represented the desires that you have in that person. So last week we looked at Wonderful Counselor. Well, then we're thinking of Christ, the Son, the child who will be born, that's Advent, who is both wonderful, he is a wonder, and he is a counselor. So the writer is thinking of the characteristics of those traits and what that means for the child and how, they, the, how this child will interact with us. So if we think of wonderful counselor, then we are thinking of Christ as our wonder, Christ as our counselor. Christ is the one who will guide us. Counseling. Interesting, you know, in the seminaries right now, the biggest program pretty much in all the seminaries of the land is counseling. That's number one. Students want training in counseling. Perhaps they're thinking of becoming a counselor. That's, that's the big program. The big program is not to become pastors in the seminaries. The big program is wanting counseling and to become a counselor, to be a helper. So there's a lot of interest in that, wonderful counselor. Christ is our counselor. And then today we think of Christ as our mighty God. We don't normally think, I think, in that way. Christ as our mighty God. We'll say more about that. Christ is the one who is powerful for us. We sang that song. By the way, I picked that song up, God So Loved, in Bolivia. And I tell you, when the Brazilians sing that song, they are rocking. They are rocking. They are committed to that. (laughs) They want to know God as mighty God who will free us from our addictions, Hmm. who will free us from our attachments. They actually believe that. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God will free us from our addictions? Free us from our attachments, whatever they might be? God who is mighty? Interesting. Jesus as the mighty God who will save us. That's the kind of load in in, in these verses. I have this picture in my office. This is the picture of Christ as the Pancreator, or the Omnipotent One. And if you went into a Greek Orthodox church in Toronto and you looked up at the dome, at the top, there's always a big dome in Greek Orthodox churches. In that dome is this representation of Jesus as the all-powerful one. We'll look at some verses of that in a moment. Big, big dome in Istanbul called the Hagia Sophia. Originally it was a church, now it's a mosque. But it's this huge, huge dome. And originally this was this image there. 
Christ as the Almighty One. So Advent then, I like this verse from Isaiah 43, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This harkens back to these verses that we're looking at. I will do a new thing. I think often we think of Advent as actually the same old thing. We've been celebrating Advent for many, many years, Christmas for many, many years. So we can think of it as actually the same old thing. Do you remember, have memories of Christmas? Sure you do. My brother and I, we shared one room growing up. Remember my parents, they would bring in that we, we still believed in Santa Claus at that point. My parents would hustle in the gifts in the middle of the night. Like at about three in the morning, they'd bring in the gifts. And after a while, I caught on that they were doing that. And I was listening to my mom saying, Jimmy, Jimmy, be quiet, Jimmy. And they're bringing in these gifts to my, around our bed. <laughs> Yikes. And after a while, I just sort of got up when they came in. And then that would be a real early morning, 3.30 or 4 in the morning, we're opening these things. So you have memories that can be the same old, right? The same old. Not necessarily a bad way, but the same old. We remember that. But Isaiah talks about a new thing. So what is the new thing that God might do in your life? What's the new thing God can do in our church? What's the new thing God can do in your family? You ever consider that? What's the new thing? The new thing for you, for me. In the midst of all of our pain, in the midst of our hurts, in the midst of our circumstances, what's the new thing? Maybe we can think of something, maybe not. God wants to do a new thing, Isaiah says. I have another verse here from Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come. Who is in the present, who was in the past, and who is to come from the future. So Advent is actually God coming to us from the future in Jesus. The angels come to our Advent characters from the future to announce the word. So this new thing of God comes to us. God knows there is no sense of past, present, future with God. God sees the whole picture. So God comes to us from the future, if you like. And that's all part of the glory of, of Advent or Christmas. So as we begin a reading from Henry Nouwen, God came to us because he wanted to join us on the road to listen to our story and to help us realize that we are not walking in circles, but moving towards the house of peace and joy. This is the great mystery of Christmas that continues to give us comfort and consolation. We are not alone on our journey. The God of love who gave us life sent us his only son to be with us at all times and in all places so that we never have to feel lost in our struggles, but always can trust that God, that he walks with us now in Rome.
so we don't have to walk in circles. If you read a biography of Nowen and you check out his life, Nowen actually spent a lot of time walking in circles. That was part of his experience. His faith journey was not just straight up. Lots of challenges. I remember meeting him when he was at L'Arche. We went in, a few of us went into his bedroom because we were planning. He only had, he was a monk really, right? So he had one little room. If you wanted to meet with him, you had to go into his room. His room was this little bedroom. So three or four of us are in there and we're talking about this conference that we're going to plan. I was leading the worship part of it. And I suggested, well, you know what? Might be good to use overheads. Now I didn't like that idea at all. No, no, I don't want overheads. I want a booklet. He became quite strong about it. I said, okay, man, this is about you, not about me. We'll do a booklet, right? But Henry had his challenges, just like all of us. Spent a lot of time walking in circles. Jesus understands that as the wonderful counselor. He understands as the mighty God. He's patient with us, travels with us, even as we finally, hopefully, sort things out and start walking more. He wants to join us on the road, Henry wrote. So, Advent. Last week we looked at Isaiah 9, 1, 7. We don't need to review the whole thing. We did a very good job on that. There was gloom, but there will be no more gloom. There was darkness, now there will be light. God will do a new thing in the history of Israel. And God will continue to do new work in Israel, right? You know, it's interesting if you read the Roman, book of Romans and you read it as if it really says what it says. In Romans 10, 11, and 12, Paul says, you know what, there will be a future day when people from all over Israel will turn to Jesus. There will be a mass coming to Christ. In Israel. Well, we haven't seen that yet. But according to Paul, one day it's going to happen. And I could see that happening even in Israel. I could see that happening. Some people all of a sudden start thinking more about Jesus. And maybe Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, the, the scriptures talk about a Messiah. Who's going to be the Messiah? Well, maybe it was Jesus. And that starts to catch on. And before you know it, the whole nation is saying Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know. That's what Paul seems to think will happen. You read it. There will be a light. God can do big, big things. Things that we just could never happen. Well, we'll see if it can happen. God does his work. There will be no more gloom. There will be light. There will be light. There will be no more darkness. That's what he's saying. The light has shone. A child is born. And so last week then we look at the titles. We saw Wonderful Counselor. What does Wonderful Counselor mean, really? It's the imminence of God. God walking with us closely in intimacy. You ever gone to a counselor? I've gone to counselors. After a while you get to know counselors. They get to know you. They can act like your friend. Maybe they are your friend. You're not supposed to become too friendly. 
But there's a relationship that builds, right? God is our counselor. Jesus is our counselor. He walks with us. That's imminence. But the word we look at today is mighty God. And mighty God is power. Mighty God, literally, God is El, and that El is powerful God. El, Elohim, El. He is God. And mighty is hero. God is our hero. God is our superhero. Maybe we'll make a movie, a Marvel movie out of God. That'd be nice. He can be our superhero instead of Superman. Because it means God, our hero. God is there for you and for me. So that speaks of transcendence. God not just walking with us, but God is this powerful one who can actually work in our lives, free us from addictions and attachments. He's the mighty God. Surely he can do that. God is the mighty God. So it's, it's these two names that come together. The imminence of God, the transcendence of God. God is counselor for you and for me, but he's also a God who is strong, who can meet your needs and can meet my needs. We can think of Ephesians 6 when we put on the armor of God, right? But it comes from verses like this. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in fury as in a mantle according to their deeds so he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, requital to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render requital, Isaiah writes. So when Paul says put on the armor of God, he's thinking back to such texts from the Old Testament. God as our warrior, God as our warrior of light who comes to walk with you and me. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. God's body language, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. In a moment, something dramatic happens. A baby is born, and that baby is the incarnation of who God is. Special moment in time, right? And we've looked at this verse before, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God, transcendence, and the wisdom of God, imminence. So the question for us is, can we believe that God is our wonderful counselor and mighty God? What does that mean for us? Scriptures reveal him that way. So I'm going to make three points as we move towards communion. Note, Matthew 4 claims these very verses for Jesus. We've read this over the last few weeks. Jesus is this child. You go back and look at That's what Matthew is writing. Christ is this one. Jesus himself reads these verses before he begins his ministry. So we are invited to travel with Jesus, and the first part is with courage. I'm suggesting. Can we travel with courage? Can you face your darkness with courage? Can you face the unknown in your life with courage? Can I do that? I cite there a movie where the crawdads sing. Very 
good book, very good book, strong book. Movie's still pretty good. And it's about a little girl who's abandoned. She's only six years old, and she raises herself in the Louisiana marsh. And she does it with courage, all by herself. She becomes the marsh girl. There's rumors about her out in the marsh. But she faces it all with courage. You know, and there are little kids all around the world who are abandoned. And a lot of them have a lot more courage than you and I have. And they go through their day. Struggles and all. Courage. So if Jesus is our wonderful counselor and mighty God, then maybe we can have courage. Maybe we can have courage to face the storms, whatever storms you face. As we come to the end of this year, as we look into the new year, a new year can be kind of scary. Can I have courage? Can you have courage to face whatever storms you've got on the horizon? So Jesus, as the mighty God, gives us strength. Christ traveling with us gives us strength. Secondly, I suggest Jesus gives us clarity. Up at the farm where we are sometimes, you can see the stars at night. And I've mentioned it before, right? The stars shift, the constellations shift with time. They, they, they revolve as the earth turns, they turn. It's noted that the north star doesn't turn. The north star stays there. Everything revolves around this North Star. So the point being, can Jesus be our North Star? Can Jesus be our point of clarity in the midst of all that's going on? All the ups and downs, all the challenges, all the challenges still of COVID. Rob gave me a call, sent me a text this morning saying, hey man, I've got COVID. Can't come. How many of our people still have COVID? COVID is still out there, right? Still going on. People aren't here this morning, some of them because they have COVID or are afraid of COVID. Still. So in the midst of those storms, can we have clarity that Jesus is with us? He walks with us. He's in the boat with us, right? Travels with us. And then thirdly, we can see a call to commitment. And, and, and that's what Advent is really. It's about opening our eyes, opening our ears to actually listen to this, this story. It's not just the, the old news, right? This is a new thing that Isaiah is doing. So what is the new thing? Are we committed to that? Is that our priority? Do we pay, really pay attention? Are we listening? Am I listening? See what I mean? Am I listening to that voice? Are you listening to that voice? How do we pay attention? I was talking with my students this week in the class. It's a virtual class. And I'm saying, you know, God speaks to us primarily through our sense doors. So if we have five senses, then God has created us in such a way that he speaks through our sense doors. What do you see? 
What do you hear? What do you feel? What do you smell? What's the other one? Who? What do you touch? Is that what you said? Yeah, cool, thank you. <laughs> Our senses, right? So then we got into a discussion, well, does God speak to us in any way beyond our senses? Certainly he works through our sense doors, right? One student suggested, I think he's right, he suggested, well, how about my God's spirit speaking directly to my spirits? Directly. One could argue that's still related to the senses in some way. But God's spirit does speak to your spirit, right? He speaks to us constantly through those sense doors, but of course we can be completely distracted and, and not aware of anything. I'm an English football fan. I can be thinking, I'm not, all I'm thinking about is the World Cup at 2 o'clock. I want to go home and watch the World Cup game. <laughs> right? Like, who knows what we're thinking about, what you're thinking about. So can we pay attention and be alert and hear God's voice when His Spirit speaks to your spirit? How do you hear the Spirit of God? Do you ever hear the Spirit of God? Are you listening for the Spirit of God? That, that's what Advent's about. We can go through life and hardly hear anything. All we hear is our own chatter. Now one used to talk about the monkeys in our head just chattering away. So Advent is this call to hear, right? So it's talking about courage, it's talking about clarity, it's talking about commitment. That's the story. God is our wonderful counselor. God is our mighty God who speaks to us, who does speak to us. But we have to want to listen. We can shut our ears. Jesus says frequently, he who has ears, let them hear. They weren't all, people weren't always hearing. They heard the words, but they weren't hearing. They weren't hearing to Jesus, the Son of God, who broke into our world once, and people still weren't listening. So we have a challenge. Will we actually hear together, individuals and as a community of faith, responsive to God's Holy Spirit to say yes to him, yes, in this season of Advent. The communion table is about saying yes. And how? Through one of our sense doors. We eat bread, we drink a cup. God is saying, I will speak to you through this sense door. Consume it. Consume me, the bread of life. So let's do that right now, shall we?